What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Cypher Podcast. We got a great episode today. I'm talking all about the innovation that's happened in hip-hop and music over the past year as a result to COVID. I thought this would be a fitting topic because... Hold on. Let it drop. Because it's been about one year, almost to the day, depending on when your quarantine started, that we've been fighting this pandemic. So I want to get right into it with current events. Just two current events today because I want to save a little extra time for the main topics. So starting with current events, our first one, Eminem is back in the news today. I like to talk about Eminem. He's one of my favorites. And uh, it's exactly what you would expect out of him. Maybe you knew, but Eminem put out a new lyric video a few days ago for his song Tone Deaf. This song was off his latest album, Music to be Murdered by Side B. However, the lyric video comes in response to the most recent attempts to cancel him. So who wants to cancel Eminem this time is the question. And the answer is Gen Z, who were all about 10 years old when the song Love the Way You Lie came out off the Recovery album, which is actually the song in question here. And very specifically, the line where he raps, if she ever tries to leave again, I'm a tire to the bed and set this house on fire. Um, The song featuring Rihanna. You know, we're now seeing all these millennials actually come to Eminem's rescue, including artists like Lil Nas X, who very blatantly made fun of Gen Zers who want to cancel Eminem because honestly, I'm not sure if it's possible. You know, it's funny because I take a look at why these Gen Zers are getting mad and they think they can cancel him and they're they're trying all this. But what they don't understand is that Eminem came up in the battle scene. This is where he thrives. He loves when people dislike him. He loves when his feathers get ruffled. You know, that's what, in my opinion, Gen Z doesn't get. Every attempt they make is just fueling the fire. It's becoming, honestly, more of a battle between millennials and Gen Z than it is Eminem and his haters. So that's an interesting one. But the lyric video is actually pretty good. And I would recommend to check it out if you're an Eminem fan or if you liked Music to be Murdered by Side B. It's an animation, but it's a lot of fun. Um, And then the next current event, second current event this week is timed very well. As many of you know, it was International Women's Day this week. And on March 9th, Cardi B became the first female rapper to earn a diamond single with her song Bodak Yellow. Bodak Yellow came out in 2018. It was actually one of the biggest songs of the year. And it was one of the biggest songs of 2019 as well. And now it's a diamond single. So congrats to Cardi B. It's very, very well deserved. And happy International Women's Day to everybody out there. Now, on to our topic. So like I mentioned earlier, COVID, it's been about a year now. And it really turned our world upside down pretty fast. I was actually on vacation when it started. I I left for vacation on March 11th which was literally days before all of the shutdowns happened. And I came back on March 16th. So I left the country before the shutdown and came back to what seemed like literally a completely new world. It was wild. And so over the past year, amidst all the struggles um, of COVID, that we've, we've been forced to innovate, you know? And as I was saying earlier, it's been about one year since the beginning of the shutdown in the United States. So today I wanted to highlight some of the interesting innovations that we've seen in music and hip hop during the quarantine. I am going to focus on three that I think have been um, notably impactful. So first, we got to talk about these versus battles. These have honestly been a gift to hip hop. 
in my opinion. In episode three, I actually talked about Gucci versus Jeezy battle and how the historical significance because of the backstory kind of made that battle extra special to a lot of people. However, there's actually been tons of versus battles and a lot of them have been really good and a lot of fun to watch. I went back and watched a ton of them this week and did a lot of reading about them and learned a lot about how they started. And especially if you're a fan of one of the competitors in the battle, it can be a lot of fun. Um, we've had battles like Ashanti versus Keisha Cole, which is actually the largest battle in terms of people who watched live and who tuned in. A lot of people thought it was Gucci versus Jeezy. That was the second largest one. Um, uh, Ashanti versus Keisha Cole was the was the largest one. And then we've also had Gladys Knight versus Patti LaBelle, Rick Ross versus 2 Chains, French Montana versus Tory Lanez, and tons more. Actually, there have been 29 total battles, to be exact. And these were started, actually, by super producers Swizz Beats and Timbaland. They really started to gain traction on Instagram Live, like, way back in March 2020. And it was mostly producer versus producer at first until it grew into much more than just producers. You know, artists started to get involved in all this. And Apple Music actually quickly picked it up, and they started to air live on Instagram and Apple Music as an exclusive on the streaming platform, which, in my opinion, was a smart move by Apple. And the audio tracks of all the battles have become available on Tidal and Spotify as well, so you can go back and listen to all of them. And you can watch most of them on YouTube and find all the clips as well. It's pretty easy to access. Um, And this is actually interesting because these battles used to be completely virtual. It would just be two artists, both on Instagram Live, kind of going back and forth um, from their living rooms pretty much just against each other. And eventually, when Apple came on board and picked it up, they were able to do sets, all these visuals. It became a whole production. It was actually really cool, and it was all still during COVID, so it was all kind of COVID-friendly. And these streams have offered one substitute for live shows, which we haven't really seen at all during COVID. Um, So for artists, they're actually super helpful if you think about it, because after every versus battle, these artists will see surges in their streaming numbers, which really helps in a time like this. When artists are not making money off of touring, in some cases, they're virtually not making any money at all. Touring is the most profitable part of an artist's business, so when they don't have that, they're kind of hung out to dry. So on the surface, these versus battles might seem you know, very entertaining, but below the surface, they're actually very, very helpful to the artist business because they're providing an extra, you know, kind of boost in their revenue stream. Even if it's coming from streaming, at least it's coming from somewhere. So it's actually interesting because before COVID, it would be super hard to get two very popular artists, specific artists, you know, who have a history, who want to do it at the same time, um, in the same place kind of thing, to get them in the same room together to do a battle like this, like trying to get GC versus Gucci Mane on, you know, the same stage like this pre-COVID would have been pretty tough. But I think after seeing a bunch of other artists do it and kind of open the door, a lot of artists have become more willing to... Uh, kind of jump at this opportunity so this is something totally different that we haven't seen before and with this kind of new zoom culture that we've temporarily adopted it became really easy early on to get two artists to just go on instagram live and go back and forth and then obviously when apple came and you know made it a whole production it became even more interesting but um like i was saying something totally different we haven't seen before and these artists and producers you know get together to do these versus battles and i think a term that we hear very often is this phrase for the culture 
you know, when talking about these battles. I think it's important to note this, that not all of these battles have been tied to beef or bad blood, like the Jeezy versus Gucci main one. You know, that battle, they were really selling the beef. But in a lot of cases, it's two artists, you know, even friendly competition. And it's interesting to just see them go back and forth, you know, maybe two heavyweights in their genre or in their particular niche. And it makes it a lot of fun for fans. So I think that's why we're kind of hearing this term a lot for the culture. Whether there is beef or not, it's a celebration of hip-hop and music and bringing people together. So whether it's artists or fans, I think we're all kind of enjoying it. And at the end of most of the battles, we've seen both artists or competitors salute the other, show a lot of respect, and make sure that it's all love at the end. So... That's the versus battles. And the reason why I think this is innovative is because before the temporary Zoom culture that we've been forced to adopt, I don't know if we ever would have seen some of these artists ever get on the same stage. So I love it for that reason. And I really do think it's for the culture. I think it's given that term um, almost a little bit of a new meaning in hip hop. So other than the versus battles, where else has hip hop innovated slash where else has music innovated um, since the start of this pandemic? Well, this one might not seem as obvious, but cryptocurrencies and rap are coming together. Lil Yachty in 2020 joined the Fayuse platform and Fayuse describes himself as the platform for tokens. On this marketplace, digital tokens can be created and traded. And after doing a little bit of research, I learned that anything can be turned into a token and traded for anything on the platform. So, for example, Lil Yachty created a $16 token, right? And anybody that bought a token was granted either special access to Lil Yachty, they could chat with him, there were memorabilia items, signed items they could choose from, all this good stuff. And even as far as, like, gift baskets that his mom put together by hand, and she included copies of her book, Raising a Rapper, which she authored, uh, which was pretty cool. So Lil Yachty actually, I read, sold out of all of his available tokens in about 20 minutes. And they started to go for sale in late 2020. Fires reported that the sales actually brought in over $276,000 for the rapper. So since Lil Yachty has joined the platform, other artists and rappers have followed, including Post Malone, Lil Pump, others. Um, additionally, social token companies, including Roll, um, which was founded this year, have started to kind of pop up. There's also Rally, a social token platform that lets the community choose who can vote. So we're starting to see these kind of things pop up. And um, even Akon and Ja Rule have gotten involved. Roll has signed both of them up. Also something interesting, in the vein of Akon, he's been making headlines with his plans to build an entire cryptocurrency city. Those uh, talks started earlier in 2020. We haven't heard a ton about it since then. I tried to do a little bit of research. So I'm sure there's going to be hopefully some developments Um, with that soon because I'm really interested to see how all of this is going to grow and continue to kind of take shape as the future of music begins to unfold kind of even post-COVID, you know? And uh, this is kind of a funny sidebar, but all of the tokens used in the futuristic cryptocurrency-themed city that Akon is trying to build are going to be called Acoins. So that's another thing. But it's actually a big deal. You know, not only is this allowing fans to become closer to their favorite artists, but it's also introducing investing into hip-hop. This is the first time that fans can invest in artists. You know, and yes, you're getting something in return, so it's not quite the exact same as 
the stock market. So you aren't buying shares in an artist per se, but you're buying a part of their career or access to them that wouldn't normally be available. So this is not going away anytime soon. It's combining music and finance like we haven't seen before. We're seeing this outside of hip hop as well, but rappers are currently the loudest on the scene here, at least in my opinion, with some of the names that I listed um, kind of doing the most in this space right now. I think this is going to grow really quickly. It already is. I think it's going to continue to. And I think the whole music industry is involved in this one. So I'm excited to kind of see where it goes. It's definitely here to stay. I think... Um, in an industry where attention is currency in an oversaturized market, this is a super creative and honestly kind of an exciting way to engage fans. You know, 20 minutes and however many thousands of tokens Lil Yachty could sell, he sold all of them. There's obviously a want for this, you know. So there's opportunity to please the super fans who want nothing more sometimes than to just be a part of an artist's career. You know, and you can even draw new fans by giving away cool experiences that are unique and uh, keeping people coming back for more and uh, offering more as an artist to people that might not know a whole lot about you yet. So if you are an artist and if you are growing your loyal fan base, I would encourage you to at least look into something like this. It's unique. It's innovative. And if you can find ways to stay interesting, then you can have a much higher chance of hit- of success and hitting it big. Excuse me. Um, The third area that I wanted to talk about in terms of innovation in the music industry is live shows. So in another replacement for live shows, another innovation that we've seen is the virtual concert. I know we talked a little bit earlier about Versus, and that is definitely a virtual concert, but that's a little bit more of a battle format. So now I want to talk about actual concerts. There's quite a few names to drop here. I'm not going to be able to go through everybody, but I am going to focus on two in particular that I felt have kind of paved the way here. Chance the Rapper and Travis Scott. One of undoubtedly the most painful parts of the pandemic is the absence of live shows. I think everybody listening could probably agree. I don't know about all of you, but I'm missing these kind of extra lately, especially because this is the time of year when we usually see all the festival lineups come out, artists start to announce summer tours, you know, tickets start to go for sale, there's tons of hype, so I don't know. I guess I just miss it a little extra. But, however, in the absence of shows, this has led to actually a lot of creativity, and Chance the Rapper has kind of led the charge with the virtual concerts here and he's done some pretty cool stuff he did a live he's done a few live virtual concerts now but one of the big ones that he did was actually at one of the flagship Ralph Lauren stores in Chicago he was quoted saying Ralph Lauren's always been kind of a buddy of his through his career through the ups and the downs Uh, Ralph Lauren's kind of been there for him so this concert was almost a little bit of an ode to Ralph Lauren and obviously his fans it was pre-recorded But what Chance did is he dared to reimagine how the artist and fan can connect at a time where the touring industry is absolutely devastated. His concert did not lack any of the charms that a real in-person live performance would bring. The energy and devotion that he committed to the performance was honestly, in my opinion, felt very deeply. You can watch the 27-minute concert on YouTube. It's available all over and it's free so I would definitely recommend to go watch it it's actually really cool the way they use camera angles and lighting they're not really sacrificing too too much other than the in-person 
aspect of it. So way to go, Chance, to have the vision to see how concerts can be different without sacrificing too much, like I said. Other artists have started to do this, including Royster59, a rapper and businessman from Detroit who's doing a live concert actually tomorrow, Thursday, March 11th, where he will play songs and do a special Q&A, meet and greet with fans afterwards who buy tickets. There's different um, tiers of the tickets, uh, as far as I understand. And this is another thing that normally would be tough to do after a show, you know? Q&A, live meet and greet with fans for an artist of his size. But now it seems very realistic and honestly really exciting. So I want to also talk about Travis Scott, one of my favorites, along with Royce to 5'9 and Chance the Rapper. But Travis Scott did a very famous, I think a lot of people are going to recognize this, Fortnite concert. And we kind of see two types of concerts here, right? We see the... Chance, the rapper, Royce to 5'9", trying to simulate real-life type concert. And now we see the Travis Scott animated Fortnite concert. So very different takes on the virtual show. Travis actually partnered with the game and did a 15-minute set in the game. This was a style of concert that we really hadn't seen before. At least I haven't really seen anything like this, at least at this scale, you know, with this kind of intentionality. Travis had an animated action figure with a custom map within the game, and he performed songs for over 12 million people live. I think the set was about 15 minutes long, and that is totally something else. I mean, we just haven't seen anything like this before. I think that's why it was relatively kind of groundbreaking. Um, Travis Scott's always been one for the super dramatic, but in this case, he actually proves that he's also a businessman, partnering with Fortnite. And what makes this strategic is that he already knew that all his fans spend so much time on Fortnite. It's not like they have to go anywhere different or do anything that they don't normally do. Travis is going to his fans, which probably allowed him to have that 12 million people turnout so easily. You know, he basically showed up and said, hey, I have something for you. And in doing it, he created a little bit of history. He didn't stop there. He actually had merch with this. He created an entire campaign out of it. So Travis, very smart, looking at it from many different angles, trying to capitalize on all aspects of the event and really maximize what he was doing with that huge audience. So very smart on his part. This is innovation in music. You know, the music industry, in my opinion, has been slow to innovate in a lot of areas in the past and tends to be seen as outdated, I think, sometimes. At least my friends that aren't really in the music industry sometimes ask questions like that. And I think that COVID has really forced us as an industry to change and change quickly if we want our businesses to survive. And COVID has definitely proved that with the number of businesses, unfortunately, that have failed, you know, and we feel for them. Um, so these are just some of the examples that really caught my attention and proved that innovation is not only a way to push an industry forward, but in this case, it was do or die. And some of these innovations kept the music industry alive. So kind of excited to talk about those today. And I hope you enjoyed those. I want to hear your opinions. Or if you know of an innovation that I didn't talk about that was interesting, please comment on the Instagram because I'm really interested to hear more about it. And maybe I can feature it in a future episode. So go comment on the Instagram and I read them all. So let me know. This gets us into our cipher of the week. My artist of the week this week is Chloe and Haley or Chloe and Hall. I'm actually not 100% sure how that's pronounced, so someone's going to flame me for that, but that's okay. I found them last year, and they're totally dope. So go listen to their album, Ungodly Hour. It's awesome. It came out in 2020, and I'm in love with it. It's very R&B, very vibey. It's awesome. You have to listen to it. 
song, Bodak Yellow. This is a diamond song. I called this out earlier in the episode. As of this week, Cardi B deserves it. Way to go, Queen. Album, Pink Friday by Nicki Minaj, one of rap's super artists and one of my favorites, actually. And this is actually one of my favorite projects by Nicki, in my opinion. It is a classic hip-hop album. So Cypher of the Weakest Week is for all the women. And like I said earlier in the episode, happy International Women's Day. Thank you to everyone for tuning in this week. Let me know your thoughts on Gen Z trying to cancel Eminem. Is it possible? Is Eminem uncancelable? Let me know. Are their efforts worth it? I want to hear your thoughts. Also, I got a really interesting comment the other day. My friend who hosts the Go Produce podcast asked me to do a city study of Toronto, Canada. Go Produce is a podcast that teaches artists how to turn passion into profit. And this is actually a great ask because I'm super familiar with Toronto. I'll talk all about my Canadian roots when I look at the city. I'm excited to do that. That's in an episode coming soon. Until that one, thanks everyone. I'll see you next week. Peace.